When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. History Versus is a production of iHeartRadio and Mental Floss. Hello and welcome to a very special bonus episode of History Versus, a podcast from Mental Floss and iHeartRadio about how your favorite historical figures faced off against their greatest foes. I'm your host, Aaron McCarthy, and today we're going to be exploring a tale Theodore Roosevelt wrote about in his book, The Wilderness Hunter, a memoir of his time on the frontier, which was published in 1893. Many of the stories in the book are just what you'd expect from a big game hunter like TR, but there's one unusual tale that stands out from the rest, one that Roosevelt called a goblin story, which rather impressed me. Here to tell us about what's now known as the Bauman Incident is Mental Floss Science editor Kat Long, who wrote a piece about the event for us. A couple years ago, I visited a small village on the central coast of British Columbia where members of the Kittisu Hey Hey First Nation have cultural stories about Sasquatches or buckwis in the local language. They also shared with me a lot of stories about Sasquatches and their personal encounters with them um, in their ancestral territory. Is that why when I asked someone to write the story, you volunteered so quickly? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what was the Bauman incident? The Bauman Incident supposedly occurred in the mountains of western Montana and northwestern Wyoming, which in the late 19th century was still the Montana Territory. On one of TR's hunting trips to the region, he met a grizzled old trapper named Bauman who told him a wild tale. TR doesn't mention Bauman's first name, but it may have been Carl L. Bauman. According to a Montana Historical Society journal, this Carl L. Bauman was born in Germany in 1831 He moved west in the 1860s and died in Montana in 1909. So that timeline and geographical detail fits with TR's account, but we don't have any proof that he was the one. Bauman told TR how, as a young man, he and a friend went to the Montana forest to hunt beaver, and they set up their traps in a mountain pass that had been the scene of another trapper's mysterious, gruesome death the year before. So over a few days and nights, Bauman and his friend were tormented by a strange animal that destroyed their camp, 
and it howled with the cover of the trees and watched them as they slept and all kinds of like creepy activities. And in the morning, they found footprints indicating that the creature walked upright. Finally, after a few days of this, they couldn't take it anymore. And as they packed up to leave, Bauman had to walk a few miles away to gather up some beaver traps from a stream. And when he returned to the campsite, he found his friend dead with fang marks in his neck. The scariest part about it was that the beast had not devoured the flesh, but merely, and this is what T.R. wrote, romped and gambled round it in an uncouth, ferocious glee. What did they think was the culprit? T.R. writes in the beginning of the story that the culprit could have been, quote, merely some abnormally wicked and cunning wild beast, but no man can say. He also suggests that Bauman thought it was something either half-human or half-devil, some great goblin beast. Bauman doesn't tell T.R. what he thought it was, and T.R. never comes right out and says it, but he seems to imply that it was a Sasquatch. But he wouldn't have called it a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot because, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, we weren't even using those words yet. Sasquatch didn't come around until the late 1920s and Bigfoot until the late 1950s. So anyway, why do people think this incident involved a Sasquatch? Was that something that they believed in at that time? Tales of hairy giants or wild men of the forest were already circulating around the Pacific Northwest. And indigenous peoples in the region had legends including Sasquatch-like characters. So they shared these tales of seeing and interacting with the actual Sasquatches with the white trappers that they met, and then the white trappers and hunters that picked up the tale and retold the story. Are there any differences between what's in this account and what's in the account of indigenous peoples' encounters with the Sasquatch? The Kittisu say that Sasquatches are shy and generally stay out of people's way, and they are definitely not known as bloodthirsty murderers. But they do, however, scream really loudly in this really high-pitched, freaky sound, and they also really stink. And TR mentioned those two characteristics in his account of the Bauman incident as well. So what are some of the encounters that the Kittisu told you about with Sasquatch? I remember one story um, that was told to me by one of the leaders in the community that they were out overnight on a beach um, gathering clams because it was like the time of year where they could, where the tide was out and they could dig them up um, out of the beach really easily. So they'd been doing this all night and they were sort of gathered around the beach. Some of the members of the group heard this crazy scream coming out of the woods. But they looked over to the elder in the group, and the elder wasn't doing anything. He didn't seem alarmed at all. So they were like, okay, well, we'll just continue doing our thing. But they kept hearing this scream, you know, just out of the woods. And it's very quiet up there. <laughs> like, it's really, I mean, it would have been shocking. And so kind of gathered closer and closer and closer to the boat that they had all come in on. The elder said, why aren't you out gathering clams? You know, what's going on? And and all of a sudden, this piercing, super loud scream just came out of the woods. And he suddenly looked incredibly shocked and started banging like the anchor on the boat, <laughs> trying to scare whatever it was away. And everyone jumped in the boat and just motored off the beach like as fast as they could. So in that story, you know, we hear, we see like the Sasquatch screaming. They didn't see him, you know, it really stayed out of uh, sight, but it was kind of like, the Sasquatch might have been a little curious about what they were doing and was just trying to, like, get their attention, but then they just got the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we don't see you, and based on that noise, we do not want to see you. Yeah. How often are they having encounters like these? I mean, are they common? A lot of people in the village have had them, um, but they don't happen, like, you know, every day or anything like that. They might happen, like, to each person maybe, like, a few times in their life. And what do they say 
to Western science's belief that Sasquatch isn't real. They understand, like, a lot of people don't think that they're real or they don't believe them when they say that they've seen them with their own eyes. And their response to that is, well, you know, we don't need some Western scientists telling me whether they exist or not. Like, I've seen them or elders in our community you know, have seen them and I believe what they say or our stories over generations and generations all talk about them. So how can they not exist? Yeah. And the one thing that I thought was really interesting from your piece was I think you went back to one of the elders and you asked him, right? And he said, you know, just because we haven't found like a a skeleton or bones or anything doesn't mean anything. I've never found a bear skeleton in the woods either. Exactly. Which is a pretty good point. Yeah. Yeah, it really makes you think, you know, like we know a lot about what's out in the forest, but there's a lot that we don't know. And so we'll just have to kind of leave that where it is. (laughs) (laughs) So Tier was a pretty practical dude, and he was not really given to flights of fancy. So how did he describe what happened here? T.R. said that Bauman was of German ancestry, must have heard all kinds of ghost and goblin lore so that many fearsome superstitions were latent in his mind. He also said that Bauman had heard tales from the Native American medicine men of snow walkers, specters, and the formless evil beings that haunt the forest depths. He says that Bauman must have believed what he said, for he could hardly repress a shudder at certain points in the tale. Have any scientists thought about what the animal actually was? I don't think any real scientists have looked into this because from a scientific investigation point of view, there aren't many specific clues to go on and and no physical evidence that could be tested for like Sasquatch DNA or they don't have any material to test for stable isotopes, which can show where an animal has been or what it's eaten or that kind of thing. So besides the walking on two feet thing, to me, it kind of sounds like it could be a mountain lion. People say that a cougar screaming sounds like a woman screaming for her life. Tier himself once said, no man could well listen to a stranger and wilder sound. What I was thinking is maybe a cougar was attacking a bear that was walking upright, which would cover all the bases. That was definitely it. That was definitely, (laughs) definitely it. Yeah. Um, Well, I guess this is just one of those mysteries that we are never going to solve. Thanks to Kat Long for joining us, and thanks for listening to this special bonus episode of History Versus. We'll be back with another bonus episode in a few weeks. History Versus is hosted by me, Erin McCarthy. The executive producers are Erin McCarthy, Julie Douglas, and Tyler Klang. The show is edited by Dylan Fagan and Lowe Berlanti. History Versus is a production of iHeartRadio and Mental Floss. comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wounded. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.